Hey, Gabby. Hey, Sophie. We should start a podcast. Oh, my God. We should start a podcast! Welcome back. Hello, everybody. How y'all doing today? How are you doing, Gabby? I'm good. How are you doing, Sophie? Well, I have, like, a cute little story to tell. Okay. So, before I picked you up today, I went to Tim's. Yep. As no one knows but you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the Timmies. But as I was leaving, hands full of Tim Hortons beverages, not sponsored, (laughs) I walked past a guy, and he just went, you look beautiful today, sister. Hey! And I know, like, I'm not a big fan of men doing that, (laughs) but he said it in a really genuine way. He also called me sister, which I kind of loved. Yeah, it, like, makes it a little bit more non-threatening. Yeah, and then I was like, ah, like, thank you, and then I went to my car, and then he yelled from across the parking lot, was like, thank you for being able to take a compliment. And I was like, yeah, I, I was just really awkward. and like really awkward. What was I supposed to say? I don't know, but I was, it made my day. It was really nice of him. No, that is nice. Yeah. I got called doll at work by an old man, and it made me feel really grossed out. Because he went, aw, oh, thanks, doll. You had sister. I got doll. So. Want to get right into it? Yeah, let's just dive right into it. I'm covering a crazy badass woman today. I would like to preface this story with saying, I do not speak Russian. I have chosen a Russian woman. <laughs> I have had Sophia, shout out Sophia, uh, help me with some pronunciations. And I'd like to apologize to everyone, but especially her for how much I'm probably going to butcher these. You got this. I will be covering the story of Ludmila Pavlichenko. That was good. I think that, was, that, was, that was not bad. Okay. I was passing. And I'll just tell you two of her nicknames, Lady Death and the Russian Bitch from Hell. Please refer to her as the latter. <laughs> that's so, that's so slay. Right? So she was born July 12th, 1916 in Belia Cherkov. I'm sorry if I butchered that. It's a Ukrainian city, but under, at the time it was under the control of Russia and it's located near Kiev. Her father was a factory worker and her mother was a teacher, you know, lived a basic life growing up. She described herself as a tomboy, says that she was like totally unruly in class and was crazy competitive in athletics and against boys. If a boy was like, oh, I can do this, she would go, okay, I can do it so much better than you. That's what I do, except usually I can't. <laughs> I know, no, but she would she would sit down and she would work at it until she could. She's, so she's just like petty, and I oh, love that. incredibly so. I'm obsessed with it, honestly. Finally, when she was 14, she and her family moved to Kiev. And while there, she heard a boy brag about his shooting skills. So she enrolled in a sharpshooter class as a part of the paramilitary sport organization, D-O-S-A-A-F, which kind of stands for uh, Volunteer Society for Cooperation with the Army, Aviation, and Navy. And that is a society that taught people how to use weapons, automobiles, aviation, all of that genre of things. (laughs) And while she was enrolled in this class, she earned her Voroshilov sharpshooter badge which is a civilian decoration and marksman certificate. It, it's like pretty high up there. So she's, she gets good. She gets really, really good. And then when she's 15, she gets pregnant with Alexei Pavl- Pavlichenko, who she later marries in 1932. Wait, 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 wait. 15. She, she marries her son? No. She becomes <laughs> pregnant with, this is the father. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no, no, no. Hold the phone. Was this 19 whatever? Like that's that's okay. She's she's like 15, 16, meets this kid in class, Alexei Pavlichenko, 
She marries him, 1932, and they have a son, Rostilav Pavlichenko, later in 1932. But uh, it didn't work. The relationship just didn't work out. They ended up separating, I think, later that year, actually. And she gets a job at an arms plant until 1937 when she enrolls at Kiev University. She wants to become a history teacher, like a historian, and she's on the track team. She does sprinting and pole vaulting. Hold on, history and sports? Yes, that's, those, are, those are her two things. That's nothing I've ever heard of before. She loves history and she loves sports. <laughs> so a history major doing sports? History major who's incredibly <laughs> good at sports. No offense to any history majors doing Unheard sports. Unheard of. <laughs> but while this is all going, she's still taking courses and like learning to become a sniper and becoming really good. History by day, sniper by night. Literally. That's so cool. So in June 1941, Hitler launches Operation Barbosa, and it begins the invasion of the Soviet Union. So it starts Saturday 22nd, June 1941, and it is the largest land offensive in human history, and over 10 million soldiers take part in this scuffle. Wait, what what was the date? Sunday 22nd, June 1941. So said Saturday the first time. It says Sunday. That is my bad. <laughs> so at this time, she is 24 years old and in her fourth year of university. But when she learns about what's happening, she immediately goes to the recruiting office to enlist. But the recruiters are like, oh, woman. Yeah, you should become a nurse. Because Boo women. Boo women. Because at the time, while the Russians were definitely a lot more accepting of women in the army, they were still very much pushed into a support position. But she's like, that. that is not going to happen. And what they do is they hold this kind of impromptu audition and they take her to a spot that they're defending. And they point out these two uh, Romanian soldiers, because at the time the Romanians were on the German side during the okay. war. And they're pretty much like, get these two guys, which she immediately does. That's a, quite the audition. Right? Yeah. Here's your audition. Kill two people. That's um, very, uh, yeah, not yeah. an audition I've ever really heard of. Right? But because of this, she proves herself and she joins the Red Army's 25th Shapvaya Rifle Division. I'm sorry if I butchered that. I, you probably did, but probably. not Moving that on. I noticed. <laughs> and she later says that she doesn't count these in her official tally because they were test shots. Oh my god! Like she is so insane. I have I have a bunch of super badass quotes from her. I I love her. Are you gonna say them in Russian? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> she becomes one of only two thousand female Soviet snipers, and only around five hundred of them survive the war. Hold on, that's still they had two thousand female snipers. Two thousand female snipers. That's pretty good, right? No, like that's the thing. So they, like I said, they were much more accepting of women in army positions. Maybe it took, they had to prove themselves a little bit more. Like they couldn't just sign up, right? Yeah. But fat number, you know? (laughs) So she talks about the first day that she's in battle. There's kind of a couple stories I've heard that are, the details are all kind of different, but at the end of the day, the story is the same. The one that I heard the most though, is that because of the shortage of arms and weaponry, she was given a single grenade and sent to go dig in the trenches. And as she is, digging these trenches there's a young russian soldier who's around her and he ends up getting shot and he can no longer continue so he hands his rifle off to her okay rifle and grenade now she's 
fully loaded. Oh yeah, and that's where it started. That is where Lady Death was born. Hell, I just I can just picture her just like climbing out of the trenches, going pew 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 pew. pew. Well, it's a rifle <laughs> so it doesn't really do that. I'll tell you. I'll tell you some like tactics she had to uh, to do set them? up set up her sniping kind of area. Okay. She'll tie cloth to like flutter in the wind and distract enemies and like make them kind of pop up to see what it is, and then she'll snipe them. She sets up decoy mannequins. Like, she'll tie them up to trees or put them in the ground to make it look like it's an actual soldier. And then when an enemy soldier sees it and makes movement towards or whatever, there she is. Boom. Headshot. Dead. Another distraction technique she could have used was dressed like a clown. <laughs> just walking on the battlefield. Yeah, and they'd be like, what in the hell? And then, pew, pew, just whips out of, like, from the pants. The nose comes off. It's a grenade. Where? Oh, my God. Could you imagine? <laughs> just honks as it explodes <laughs> the loudest honk you've ever heard and then water spits out of it <laughs> we get war we yeah war. we definitely understand war she also hunts in the rain to muffle her gunfire so edgy so edgy at one point she climbed a tree to get a better shot and she becomes a target and she gets fired at and when that happens she drops she just lets go falls 12 feet pretend she did she pretends she's dead for hours till night falls and she like gets away right she's crazy she's crazy in one battle her commanding officers are all killed and she takes charge and apparently one man says cowards look at this woman pavlichenko has the balls of a man <laughs> like they are hyping her up they love this woman. no it's the uterus of a woman <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly we got balls inside us they're protected or do men have uteruses outside of them Ooh. Chicken or the egg? <laughs> <laughs> At one point during the war, she marries a man named Leonid Katsenko. Not a ton is known about him. Uh, apparently they were very happy together, but unfortunately he dies after he's hit by a mortar shell. And a few days later in the hospital is when he passes. And after this, apparently she becomes crueler and she'll that start aiming for the legs Ooh. of enemy soldiers, which will draw rescuers. She will then shoot the rescuers in the legs to draw out other people. Shoot them in the balls. Ooh. Well, I think... I guess rescue Is that... <laughs> I, well, that's a harder shot, for one. Yeah, that's true. That's legs true. are a lot more area. There's a lot of them. There's than, a lot of legs. Yeah, the nuts. But also, I don't know, I feel like there's got, there's like some, got to be some arteries or something in there that would probably cause them to bleed out faster. There's... There's arteries in the legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like the femoral artery <laughs> yeah, in the leg. I know, I know. I guess it's on the inside though, so it'd be harder to shoot unless they're like yeah. spread eagle. And like she could be aiming more for like the calves, right? Ooh. Right? Ouch. God, right in the, the shin bone. Oh. So after two and a half months of being on the front line, she has killed 187 Germans. That's 187. like 87. Two and a half months. Two a day. That's crazy. That's more than two a day. That's like more than three two a day. Three and a half a day. <laughs> she says, she's quoted at one point as saying, we mowed down the Hitlerites like ripe grain. Like, she's ruthless. She's promoted to senior sergeant at this point. Nice. Of course. How can you not promote Is she this like woman? the first female? No. Um, <laughs> I don't think lame. so. <laughs> <laughs> Go women. So at this point, the Germans have pushed them back to a town called Sevastopol. She ends up fighting in this siege for eight months. By May of 1942, she has 257 kills. Damn. That is a lot of humans. 
And at this point, she's promoted to lieutenant. The thing is, is that as she continues to fight, as she gets better at being a sniper, Mm -hmm. her missions become more and more dangerous. And she gets sent into a lot of counter sniping situations. So basically duels between snipers. (gasps) At one point, one duel lasts three days. And she would hold her position for 15 to 20 hours at a time, waiting for this other, for this enemy sniper to kind of make a move so she can just get him. Finally, she wins this duel. She yeah. she never oh, lost a duel. And she says that the enemy made, and I quote, one move too many. By the end of the war, she has killed 36 snipers in wow. these duels. 36 snipers. Like I said, the German army, they call her Lady Death. And over loudspeakers, like on the battlefield, They'll call over to her and say, come over to us. We will give you plenty of chocolate and make you a German officer. Like, they are quoted as trying to bribe this woman, with Lady chocolate? Death, the Russian bitch from hell, with chocolate. I'd take it. Well, it depends. What kind of chocolate? It's like Belgian chocolate? Right? Like, this is a good question. But also, I mean, I feel like the Russians will do anything to keep her on her side. So they're like, if you want chocolate, or but, we'll, we'll give you chocolate. It could be a trap. Oh, it also could. Well, no, like from everything that I read, they wanted her to snipe for them. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, they wanted her on their side. They wanted her firepower. But you would know that some of the Germans would be against that and they would like. Yeah, of course. Well, the thing is that as time goes on and they start threatening her. That makes sense. They say that they will tear her into 309 pieces. Ooh. 309 represents the number of confirmed kills she had as a sniper. Confirmed kills just means that you have to have a witness there to be like, yes, blank person is dead. And you know what she says? She says that they are happy that the Germans have the right number. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So in June of 1942, while still during this siege, she is wounded from shrapnel from a mortar round that hits her in the face. And the Soviet Union evacuate her in a submarine that is how important she is she's too much of an asset so even after she heals they have pulled her from action and like i said she has 309 confirmed kills in my notes after that in brackets all capitalized holy fucking shit (laughs) like that's crazy how many do you have (laughs) zero (laughs) maybe (laughs) dot 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 but also remember how at the beginning her little audition yeah where she killed two others but said that they didn't count because they were her practice run yeah so technically her confirmed number is 311 <gasps> that's so much more i know but that's just the confirmed number right yeah it's war like yeah exactly so at this point after she's healed from her wounds as best she can she sent wait wait she get injured? What? Yeah, she got she got shrapnel from a mortar round. Oh, sorry. In the face. Miss that. <laughs> and then she's evacuated by the submarine. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So after this, the Red Army, you know, she's too much of an asset. They send her to America for propaganda reasons. Stalin wants, well, needs the Western Allies to come and help them. He wants them to come and invade the continent and divide the German forces. Okay. Because this, at this point, the Soviets are being overrun. Not overrun, but they, they keep getting pushed back. Yeah. So in 1942, she arrives in Washington, D.C. She becomes the first Soviet citizen welcomed into the White House. Wow. Ever. Nice. And she and Eleanor Roosevelt become 
besties. Like immediately (laughs) they just, they have like twin flames pretty much. It seems like, like they just become really good friends. And Eleanor asks her to join her on a tour of the United States where they hit 43 cities to tell her story as a woman in combat. At this time, she's 25 years old and speaks no English. That's going to be a hard thing to sell if you're just speaking Russian. She has a translator. Okay. Of course. What's the translator's name? I actually don't know. No idea. It's just mentioned translator. Okay. So she gives speeches and tries to rally American support and thousands would gather to see her speak. But American media, we all know it. We love it. We hate it. And at first, because, you know, she's 25 years old, she's in a strange place, she doesn't speak the language, she's kind of meek and unsure of herself, and the American press just are awful to her. The New York Times dub her as the girl sniper and the Sevastopol Amazon. They say that she lacks style for her long skirt. One reporter tells her, in America, women wear short skirts. What? What? Yeah, that is a direct (laughs) quote. They, like, say that she's fat, she has no style. They ask about her makeup, to which she responds, who has time to think of her shiny nose when there's a battle going on? Yeah, like, she came out of war and they're like, your skirt's too long. No, exactly. She's a battle-hardened woman with 309 confirmed kills, and they're asking her about her makeup and her style choices. That's so bonkers. And at first, you know, she, like I said, strange country, doesn't speak the language, she's unsure of herself. But gradually, she starts being fiercer and she starts standing up to herself. And the American press... Standing up for herself. Thank you. And standing up for herself. She starts to rally support as she tells her story. And here is a badass quote from Chicago. Gentlemen, I am 25 years old and I have killed 309 fascist occupants by now. Don't you think, gentlemen, that you've been hiding behind my back for too long? Like, she's crazy. She's crazy. She doesn't give a shit. Damn. Like I said, she is there for propaganda reasons. Mm -hmm. So she'll talk about like the lack of uh, segregation in the Red Army, both color and gender. How true this really is, I don't really know. I want to like, I looked a little bit into it and you know, there were 2000 female snipers. So clearly the line is a lot less blurred than it is in America. I read somewhere that the first confirmed female American sniper only was like graduated. I'm not sure how exactly how to phrase it, but in 2021, basically. What? Yeah. 2021. Oh my god. That's crazy. This is World War II. She's kicking ass. Eventually, America falls in love with her. Like, how can you not? She be- she finds her voice. Uh, because her skirt's too long <laughs> and she doesn't wear makeup. Well, she just finds her voice and kind of begins to show who she is and she won't put up with her shit, right? And in 1942, American singer-songwriter, you all know and love him, Woody Guthrie. I don't know who he is. Who? I don't know who he is. I just had to Google him. He's some guy. He was loved by the Americans. I exclusively listen to one band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I listen to Mother Mother pretty much these days. But he writes a song called Miss Pevnichenko and just talks about how much of a fucking badass she is in it. During this tour, it ends up getting extended and she also travels to Canada and Great Britain. And you can see like throughout the photographs from like when she got there versus when she leaves, like she just, she looks happier. Okay. She's like smiling and like- Are her skirts getting shorter? No. Okay, good. No, no, no. She remains true to herself. Heck yeah. Long skirts for the win. Don't show them ankles. <laughs> no ankles. There's, there's a quote actually she says about her uniform and she says, I wear my uniform with honor. It has been covered with blood and battle. <laughs> she then continues Same. to talk about, about how like 
she doesn't have time to be worried about what silk underwear she wears underneath it like american woman <laughs> silk underwear also like isn't it bad for you probably isn't it very like, not isn't it, it's like not breathable or something i like i don't know cotton or is it cotton that's bad no it's like no. i don't know you can wear whatever underwear you want yeah or not if you yeah hey if you want to go commando go commando babe <laughs> anyways back to the story back to the story <laughs> So this tour lasts for four months. She is finally has to come back home to the Soviet Union. And they then have to wait for two years before the Allies finally open a second front in Europe, which is Operation Overlord, Ooh. a.k.a. the Invasion of Normandy. Oh. Yeah. I was going to say, that's a dope sounding. Right? Operation Overlord. Operation Overlord. But by this time, the Soviets had already kind of gained an upper hand against the Germans. But, you know, at the end of the day, it helps. It helps them win the war. When she returned to the Soviet Union, she is promoted to major and awarded the title of Hero of the Soviet Union, which is the highest military distinction, and the Order of Lenin twice, which is the country's highest civilian designation. Like, she's got hella awards. Wow. Russia loves this woman, oh, yeah. as they should. But again, because she is such an asset, such a famous person worldwide now, she's never sent back to combat. Instead, for the rest of the war, she trains other snipers. Finally, when the war ends, she goes back to university and finishes her history, history degree. <gasps> and she becomes a historian. What does she specialize in? Well, from 1945 to 1953, she's a research assistant at the Soviet Navy headquarters. And later on, is in the Soviet Committee of the Veterans of War. So war? War stuff, it seems a lot like, probably a lot of like documenting what happened during World War II, hold I'd on, imagine. Hold on, hold on, Are you telling me this woman is Athena? This woman is is Athena. This woman, is, or is Athena this woman? <gasps> what came first? Greek mythology or the Russian woman sniper? <laughs> um, <laughs> finally, in 1957, First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt decides to visit Moscow. And it is during a very high tension point of the Cold War. And while she's there, she wants to go see her old friend, Ludmila. But because these tensions are so high, she's kind of refused, pushed off, like, oh no, yeah, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. But she's like, I am not leaving this country until I go see my friend. Aww. So eventually they're like, okay, fine, we'll make it happen. And they end up meeting in Ludmila's little apartment in Moscow. And when this little reunion first starts, they have like these supervisors keeping an eye on them. And they're kind of like subdued, just like, oh, hi, how are you? But then at one point, Ludmila grabs Eleanor's hand and pulls her into the guest bedroom and locks the door. <laughs> and then they share like a couple of hours of them just like catching up and reminiscing over this like summer they had together when their friendship was formed and, and it's talking about their sex lives probably <laughs> teddy roosevelt <laughs> finally on october 10th 1974 she suffers a stroke and passes away after years of suffering from ptsd depression and alcoholism so clearly the war left its mark on her as it did everyone everybody like i could not imagine the entire fucking world being at war I know. I have to. <laughs> well, the way our world's going, though. Yeah. We almost had World War Three. Yeah. Oh God, I remember that very clearly. What was that over? Trump. Yeah. It was Trump and North Korea and Russia right. and ugh, the whole mess of bullshit. Thank God that did not happen. Thank God that did not happen. 
So the Soviet Union has two postage stamps printed in her honor, one in 1943, so before her death, and then one in 1976, kind of to commemorate her death. But that's just the story of this insanely strong-willed woman who kicked ass. I mean, yeah. there's no other way to put it. She knew what she was good at, and she went out to fight for her country and became best friends with the First Lady of the United States. Kick names, take ass. Exactly. I think she should be a bit of a role model. Don't go killing people. Yeah. But, well, you know, be strong-willed and stand yeah, up for yourself. Be true to yourself. Be true to yourself, you guys. Love each other. And don't start wars. And don't start wars. But, yeah, there you yeah. go. Ludmila Pavlinchenko. Sorry if anyone <laughs> who is Russian is listening. I that. am so sorry. I tried my hardest. Sophia, please don't be disappointed in me. Well, I mean, I butchered some French French pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. Last episode, so. Languages are hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else is hard? This my dick. rifle. Pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> wow, two war stories in a row. Yeah, I that it was kind of funny, but you know, you did World War One, and then I did World War Two. Yeah, and I did mine about a pigeon, and you did about a woman. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> coo, 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 pew, pew, pew. <laughs> um, I feel like if I had just been in this insane war for like two years on the front lines the entire time, pretty much. And then was sent to another country where I didn't speak the language and I was expected to give speeches in front of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. uh, panic attack. Yeah. Every minute of every single day. Yeah. Honestly. Honestly. Just goes to show like what, a, what an amazing strong woman she is. Hell yeah. Yeah. And I mean the fact that she suffered from like depression and PTSD and alcoholism. Like yeah. And you know I, 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 I think it's it was Finding out that, like, she just kind of lived in, like, this small sort of rundown apartment in Moscow after the war. I don't know. Are we going to get on to talks about veterans? I was oh about to God. say. We're not, like, <laughs> no, we don't need to get into that, but just something to think about. The final closing thought. Something that I keep thinking about when I was researching this. I was just like, God, that poor woman. And I, I did hear some accounts say that, like, she had another family afterwards but there's like no official recordings of her ever having other kids or like having another spouse so i think i think that the ser the sergeant major that she met during the war and married i think he was like the love of her life what happened to her kid no clue oh he died in 2007 i know that wow yeah he must have been old yeah well 19 what was what did i say 1930 1932 yeah 1932 to 2007 thank you for your story thank you great <laughs> thank you guys for listening hope you thank enjoyed you oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> give us a follow great review subscribe you know the huge stick around because of my episode well i'm excited it's I... gonna be about <laughs> it's gonna be about the origins of clocks Ooh, clocks cuckoo clocks Crazy I don't know. Clocks. That's not what it's about. No, but... I figured. <laughs> I think I think we should say that going into the podcasting, we keep our stories secret from each other. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't know what the other person's going to be talking about. 
Which is really hard because whenever I have something to tell someone, yeah. I tell Gabby, yeah. but I can't. I know. I'll just like start ranting to a coworker at work. I'm like, oh my God, so this is what I know. I'll be like researching, like, this is so cool. I got to tell Gabby. And then I'm like, no, no, I have to wait. I gotta wait just a couple more days. I mean, for us, at least this time, it was just one night. Yeah. <laughs> We're super great at scheduling, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys for sticking around. Thank you for listening to us talk to each other. And XOXO. Your mom. <laughs>